Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seaspire, Steven Universe fan podcast. This is episode 100, and today I'll be talking about week 4 of the Steven Summer Adventure. I'm GC13. So, kind of a kind of an elephant in the room. Uh, there was a lot of discussion about Pink Diamond this week, so since there's nobody here to stop me, uh, I thought I would briefly talk about that. You see, I did do an episode about Pink Diamond uh, earlier on the podcast. And so this isn't going to be a whole episode, I promise, but I just want to say that I'm actually more certain that Rose was Pink Diamond than I was before. There are still all the narrative hints that Stephen has the legacy of a diamond about him. And now that the new Lars has aired, once we remember the new Lars, we can make sense of some of the other stuff where it's like, okay, well, Rose definitely killed Pink Diamond, that they are two different bodies, but... What I'm getting at is, I think that Rose Quartz is the mind of Pink Diamond in the body of a Rose Quartz soldier. You know, why she would do this? Well, if I had to guess, it's because she didn't think it was right what the other diamonds were doing, and she wanted to stop it, but it it couldn't be her as a diamond, because her soldiers would follow her, not because... It was the right thing to do, but because she was a diamond, it would be a civil war and not a revolution, which is, I think, kind of what she was hoping for. And if so, that would make the way the rebellion ended even more sad. I mean, you have people like Bismuth wanting to take the fight and shatter, take the fight to homeworld and shatter the diamonds. Very nasty business, but I don't think this is the last we've heard of Pink Diamond. Let's let's leave it there. So the week started off in the states with the back-to-back airing of Beta and Earthlings. And uh, just about the first thing I want to say about Beta is that there were some fan artists who called perfectly Peridot and Lapis both being Camp Pining Hearts junkies. It's it's beautiful, right? I mean, when are we going to get to see more of that TV show? I mean, we have Crying Breakfast Friends. I want to see more Camp Pining Hearts now. I, I do feel sorry about... Peridot's poor little alien doll. She loved it so much, and then she rips its bow tie off so she can wear it. That's kind of sad, actually. Uh, well, maybe she could just go back and win another one. Who knows? Uh, we we got to see Meep Morp this episode. Peridot getting very introspective with her tape recorder and Lapis being about as literal as you can get. I do wonder, though, if the I Feel Trapped piece was really just about Camp Pining Hearts, or if it was... I mean, it, it looks like it's about the mirror. You gotta be honest. It it really does. Other than that, you know, Peridot looks like she's looking after Lapis. You know, she doesn't like to use the J word, even though it doesn't seem like it's bothering Lapis, but at least Peridot's trying to be sensitive. I liked the, I liked the trip to the kindergarten. You see, I said that they don't seem to throw the certified kindergartner's status around lightly, and Peridot really shows that she's earned it in this episode. She can just look at a hole and know which gem type came out of it. She can tell you everything that's wrong the, about any given hole, except for Jasper's, because there is nothing wrong with that hole. I mean, frictional, frictional rock melt, that's... Mm. We'll get to it later, but when... Ruby says that Jasper came out with her helmet on. I could believe it because she already came out flexing. But uh, again, uh, talking about the pink diamond theory just a little bit, Jasper is the perfect soldier. As far as Peridot seemed to indicate, there's no way you could make a more perfect quartz. But all Jasper is is strong. She can't make minions. She has to go and 
She has to go and browbeat minions. She can't heal people. I mean, think about it. Wake up, sheeple or sneeple. The, the sneeple are coming to get us. But that takes us right into Earthlings, which, let's face it, is basically smoky courts being all awesome all the time. I was initially revolted by the character design, but, you know, having been exposed to it more, I, I've come around. I think smoky courts looks pretty cool. I like that. I love the yo-yo weapon. The yo-yo weapon is fantastic, and she uses it to great effect against Jasper. I mean, Amethyst... Wasn't even scratching Jasper. She was she was just leaving dirt on Jasper's uniform, and then here's Smoky Quartz's, and Jasper has nothing on her. So it's it's always Fusion that she's getting beaten by. Well, I mean, she was kind of beating Garnet, but for the most part, it's the if you if you want to stand up against Jasper, you got to fuse. Peridot was fantastic in this episode. Every time she said something to make Jasper want to beat her up, but then of course there's. You know, Peridot is no threat whatsoever, and there are more important things to worry about. And then, of course, the very heavy ending, my diamond, your diamond, pink diamond, just as Jasper is being corrupted. I'm assuming she picked that up from the fusion. It would make sense that if the gems are software, then, you know, if you interface very closely with an infected piece of software, you'll probably pick it up yourself. That was very, very well done. Very, very good scene. Very... It almost makes Jasper kind of tragic, really. You know, here she is. She's a huge, loyal soldier. And, I mean, she's in the service of the diamonds, but it's not her diamond. Her diamond was killed by an enemy who she has yet to be able to destroy. Try as she might, and she has been trying to kill Steven. Then Amethyst bubbles her. Well, after, after Peridot comes in with the perfect use of metal bending, saves them all. At least saves them from a probably difficult fight because they weren't they weren't really ready for that, and then calls Jasper sis and sends her off to the temple safe and sound, and then they go back to the barn and find a bunch of very dumb rubies who are very very upset. I mean, it's a suntan, really. Come on, rubies. I I love the characterization of Eyeball in this and in Bubble Dome. She's such a fan girl. But this episode kind of does make the timing of the Rebellion really difficult, because if you look at the answer, it looks like Rose didn't really have much of an army, or at least Garnet didn't bother mentioning that there was an army, which is always possible. Garnet may not be a perfectly reliable narrator. And Blue Diamond appeared to already be in charge, whereas according to both Jasper uh, back in Earthlings, when she said she was fighting ever since she came out of the ground, and then Eyeball said she saw action... On the same day, and I mean, I know it's exaggerating to say that she defeated 80 crystal gems on her first day out, but I mean, that's still saying that it it would be reasonable for dozens of crystal gems to be attacking that kindergarten, you know, in facet 9, well, a ruby needs to be deployed in facet 6 to fight other people, fight other crystal gems. So the rebellion was apparently pretty widespread be, even before Pink Diamond was, was shattered, because apparently... Jasper was still around. She she had already come out of the ground when Pink Diamond was shattered. I don't know, the timing of the rebellion, I think we're still going to need some more clues about exactly how everything went down so we can na nail everything down. Um, the only other thing that I super duper want to make sure I say about Vact the Moon is, of course, the Notice Me Senpai tier that Eyeball gives when 
you know, Jesper Amethyst puts Doc on her lap. It's like, I wanted to write in Jesper's lap. Kind of like Pearl from Stephen Floats. I could have used a hug. And then, of course, Sardonyx come in. We, we haven't been seeing much of the fusions, but I get the feeling that we're going to be seeing more of them because we, we got Sardonyx in an excellent use of her this time. And then we got another use of her later on in Know Your Fusion, which I'll talk a little bit about then. But it's And then, of course, we got Stevani last week. And if you've seen the promos for the episodes of Steven Universe that are coming up, now that we're back on a weekly schedule for a little while, we're going to be seeing more Stevani then. So it looks like we're finally getting more comfortable with Fusion. Does this mean that we can hopeful for more Opal? I, I hopeful so. You know, of course, Sardonyx knocks the rubies into space, but Steven was pulled out into space as well. Don't know how they broke free of the moon's gravitational pull. I think I think there's a little bit of cartoon physics going on here. Maybe, possibly, but... I mean, we did get the wonderful quote from Eyeball. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me four times, you already fooled me, and you can't fool me again. That's beautiful. I mean, that's that's a lot of wisdom for a ruby. That, that is to say there is some wisdom there, maybe. I, I loved her quibbling with Stephen over the proper color of a rose quartz gem, which, again, indicates to me that rose quartzes are not a... It's, rose Quartz is not a unique gem. There are more Rose Quartzes out there. And then, of course, the fact that Rose's healing powers were only rumors, that tells us that that is not st a standard-issue power among Rose Quartzes. That was unique to our Rose. And again, I, I keep saying it. The new Lars. I'm just throwing that out there. I loved what Steven was able to do with his bubble in this episode, though. How he was able to stretch it out, grab Ruby, and bring her in. And then when she started trying to stab him with the knife, which I saw somebody else say a very brutal weapon. I agree. I mean, here she is. She's a common foot soldier, and she has the weapon basically of a scavenger. You see, it's almost like she wanted to pry the gem right out of Steven. Ooh. Ugh. Ugh. I mean, ooh. That is brutal. But... Stephen manages to throw her, although, of course, all the air in his bubble would then be gone. And again, I bring it up. Does Stephen need to breathe? Because he survives for a decent amount of time after... They don't, they don't give any indication of how long it takes for the crystal gems to find him, but they don't give the indication that it was, boom, right after that, coincidentally, that you get the sense that some amount of time had passed. And so we have either the bubble can sustain him indefinitely, which would kind of make sense if you run the numbers for when he bubbled them on their way back from the Flappus's tower in Ocean Gem. If you, if you run the numbers, that air would have been very dangerous to breathe very quickly had the bubble not been doing something. So maybe the bubble can sustain him. Maybe Steven doesn't need to breathe. Who knows? I mean, what, what, are, what are cartoons anyway? What I want to know, though, more more importantly, will those rubies be rescued, or will they just be lost in space forever? It seems really cruel to leave them lost in space. I mean, I guess eventually something will shatter them, but ugh. I mean, it's like the worst aspect of a bubble. Rather than being in stasis, they're conscious the whole time. Ugh. I mean, I, I'd think that Steven wouldn't stand for that, but... Given how we have two more episodes where they're not mentioned, and then they don't seem to be in the next, you know, the first weekly episode either, 
I'm getting the indication that the Crystal Gem's just like, oh yeah, let's just leave the rubies out there, that's fine. I mean, they could just go and poof them one by one, no big deal. I'm just saying, that's cold, guys. The very, very tearful end. I always found it weird when Steven says thanks for telling me to Garnet when Garnet didn't really tell him anything new. She just confirmed that, yeah, the rubies weren't lying. And I mean, I guess he can be thanking her for telling the truth, but I mean, does he think that she thinks he would believe that? So I'm not sure if it's supposed to sound hollow, but it sounds hollow to me when he thanks her. So we go from a heavy episode to a a nice lighthearted episode to start the new season. Kindergarten Kid was the first episode of what is now called season four, or for all of you waiting at home for when the Richingtons move in next door, this is what would have been season three back when Maximum Capacity aired. So, you know, we we need the stuck-up neighbors to move in quick. But if you watched the official preview for this one, it was pretty clear that this was going to be a Roadrunner episode. It had the setting perfectly. You had the monster looked just about right. And the way it sticks its tongue tongues up in the air, is it, that could be its beep beep, right? And it was a Roadrunner episode. We got to see Peridot trying all of her parry plans and getting hurt each time. I liked the double subversion when she moved out from under the injector only to be hit by rocks. That was pretty funny. I, I did like that, again, it's, it's just kind of funny the way other cartoons are, but I was really happy when Steven floated down to see Peridot rather than wondering how he was going to get down. I mean, it's, it's kind of like in Samurai Jack where he learns to jump good in an episode and then never does it again. But when Steven gets a new power, he keeps the power. You can take that to the bank. I find it funny that Peridot's victory here uh, was by outbrooding the monster, just like the Crystal Gems always try to do. She she couldn't outsmart. She just she just jumped it, and she she was just at her wit's end after being bombarded by marshmallows. You know she she had her little epiphany. She gets close, then goes for it, and the the Crystal Gems could have helped, but decided it would be funnier to stick back and watch. And, and of course, when she bubbles the gem, it goes home to the barn. With Lapis, who's reading Pretty Hairstylist 3, apparently, which Amethyst was reading before. So apparently the gems are into manga, um, just like they are into Camp Pining Hearts. I wonder if Amethyst would enjoy Camp Pining Hearts. I mean, if she did, that would be more excuses for us to see more clips of the series, so that would work for me. But now it's on to the last episode of the week, which, I'll be honest, I didn't like so much. But probably not for the reason you think. But know your fusion. It was it was very meta. The whole Sardonyx, you know, having the footage courtesy of Cartoon Network and asking if Nicki Minaj still gets paid even though they're just using voice clips from her. I loved the strength test machine, by the way. That was that was pretty good. I wonder how, I hope she comes back and voices some more Sugalite because she did a she did a great job on it. She really, really did. But at least, at least we got the clips from Coach Steven, even if she never does it again. It was fun seeing Smoky Quartz again, a very interesting setting. She's, she's all about that yo-yo, and she's, as we find out later in the episode, well, we already saw in Earthlings, but we see, again, the versatility she has with that yo-yo. She strikes her meditative pose and rescues everybody. But I do wonder why Sardonyx even expected that Smoky Quartz might have any of the other fusion powers. It's like, oh, do you when when fusions combine or when gems fuse, 
they get a unique power. So let's see if you have any of these other unique powers. It seems like these would all be the powers that Smoky Quartz definitely wouldn't have. I guess there could be a bit of a debate over whether it was Garnet that got carried away or Pearl that got carried away. Of course, with the fusion, it's technically both of them, but they argued about it at the end. And I think it was Pearl saying that it's not about us, it's about them, because... You know, Garnet. Garnet's the one who's all about fusion. She'd be, she'd probably be the one more interested in learning about Smoky Quartz than Pearl would be. So when they're when they're finally having their disagreement at the end, I think it was Pearl saying that it's not about us. But it was great seeing seeing Sardonyx again with her "I love Empire City" mug and her playing the entertainer and uh, doing the doing the Rocco, old Rocco's Modern Lifestyle thing where every time you throw an object off screen you hear the, the sc- a scream of pain from someone or something classic cartoon mm, kind of but I, I just didn't like it because of how uncomfortable Sardonyx was making Smoky Quartz and again over something that makes no sense it doesn't make any sense that Smoky Quartz would have any of these powers so why see if she does I thought I, I guess they needed some way for Sardonyx to be overexcited. I mean, she is elegant, so that must have been it. And then, of course, people are wondering at th- about the basement, because Sardonyx's room can only exist while she's around, whereas Garnet has been forcibly defused, and she's willingly defused a couple times. And so people are wondering about the basement, which is her room, Ruby and Sapphire together. But... I don't think that Garnet's room, or I don't think the basement, is like Sardonyx's room. Sardonyx's room is completely separate from the temple. It's just like the space that they put Stephen's test chamber in. You know, they used the same activation key that Alexandrite would have used, we can assume, and that was a blank space until they put something in there, completely disconnected from everything, and it didn't look like there were any connections from Sardonyx's room to the rest of the temple either. But the basement we know, is accessible. You can get there from Pearl's room or Amethyst's room. You just have to, you know, find the crystal heart and go straight down. Boom. Then you're in the basement. So I think, I think the basement is different. Not gonna, not gonna disappear just because Jasper comes at Garnet with a gem destabilizer, you know? And then of course, again, I already gushed over how awesome Smoky Quartz looked when she saved the day with the, I mean, at first I was like a yo-yo, really? That, that's what they're going with? But I mean, wow. She's good with it. I mean, she she beat Jasper up with it, so it's obviously good enough. But, you know, but back when I was watching Earthlings, I had kind of assumed that Amethyst had fused with Rose before, but, you know, after after Know Your Fusion, it's, it's really obvious that she never did, because otherwise, at least Amethyst would have memories of, Ro- of Smoky Quartz's capabilities, so she wouldn't be so completely in the dark about herself. You know, her baseline knowledge that she got from Amethyst would kind of mean the fact that she's only 10 or 20 minutes old didn't matter as much. But, you know, the worst gems are sticking together, apparently, and Smoky Quartz a very capable fighter. I want to see what Rainbow Quartz looks like with Steven as the Rose Quartz component. I want to see what Rainbow Quartz's weapon is. I just want to see all the fusions. Again, they seem to have fusion on the brain now, so we'll probably get to see... More fusions in the future. Old ones, new ones, everybody. But that was the week. You know, me me obsessing over the Pink Diamond Theory. It's not dead yet. I'm holding on to that truth deep in my gut. I mean, it's either that or Rose Quartz is some experimental super soldier version of a Rose Quartz that rather than being just stronger like Jasper is, has 
a whole bunch of powers, one of which could conveniently be used to body hop. And you know, I would expect that, again, I mentioned Gems' software, that if you were to body hop, you'd keep all of your old powers. Except when Steven hops bodies, he can't, because he doesn't have a gem to project those powers. But, you know, if Pink Diamond body hops into a Rose Quartz, well, you know, she can still heal people, and she still has all of her powers. Maybe not as powerful, you know, the the Rose Quartz gem, probably not cranking out as much juice as a diamond, but, eh, you know, it'll do. When you got a rebellion to lead, you got a rebellion to lead, right? So, uh, GC, more on the Pink Diamond train than he ever was before. I still have no idea what's going on in that mural, but whatever's going on, you know, I, I can at least be fairly confident that our Rose Quartz used to be Pink Diamond. And then, of course, that would probably make Lion the mostly healed, post-shattering pink diamond. I don't know, that would explain why Lion is so very loyal to Steven. If he has the mind of a Rose Quartz who is still completely loyal to her diamond. Just food for thought also, that might be how Jasper gets redeemed. If Steven figures out that he's pink diamond and can convince, can convince Jasper, maybe, maybe. I don't know. All I know is I want Jessica to be redeemed somehow. It's got to happen somehow. I'll take whatever I can get as long as I can get a big buff Cheeto mom protecting her little baby Steven. So, um, that's it. Join us next week. Hopefully it will not be just me talking about the new episode next week, Buddy's Book. Looking forward to being back on a weekly schedule. It's really great having all the episodes, you know, but... Ooh, boy, is that a lot to digest all at once. I mean, they just blew through almost almost half a year of weekly episodes in one month, so that's a lot to hit us with, you gotta admit. But again, next week it's Buddy's Book. Make sure you, you'll be there. Until then, I'm GC13. See you guys next week. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.